You're listening to Doctrine and Duty, podcast of Brian Ray, Senior Pastor of Alexander Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia, where biblical theology meets everyday Christian life. Good day to you, beloved, and welcome back to another episode of Doctrine and Duty. Well, it's been about, uh, I don't know, a month or so, maybe a little less, maybe a little more since uh, I've been able to bring you a podcast for some of you. Maybe you've been listening uh, during my time off, my time away, and maybe you haven't missed a week. Maybe you've been playing catch up and you listen to it every day. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, But for those of you who are tuning in each week on Thursdays or whenever uh, you desire to uh, catch up, uh, this has been about three or four weeks, and so I'm back. <laughs> One of the things I like about my podcast is it's just me. I like to be real. I like to have fun. I, I try to be funny, but my family tells me I'm not really. So uh, what you can do is humor me uh, as I seek to humor you. So there you have it. There, see that? Did you catch that? Just a, just a you know, it, well, anyways. I try. Uh, So now I'm going to be bringing to you uh, somewhat of a theological treatise on unity uh, over the next several weeks. And um, when we think of unity, um, you know, I think most of us think of church unity. Uh, And and of course, that's biblical unity. That's what we find in the scriptures. It's what the Word of God exhorts. It's what the church um, actually has to have if a church is going to function as a church and be who God's called it to be, then uh, you really have to have unity. Um, so we're going to look at some of the biblical texts and what they say about unity, and and also look at the practical, because after all, this is doctrine and duty. So uh, somewhat of the doctrine of church unity. I'm not sure it has its own title uh, or not, but there you have it. Uh, just basically looking at unity, it's a state of oneness. Uh, and of course, you can look these up on Google like I did. Uh, the state of being united or joined as a whole. Uh, the state of being united as or into one. state of being complete with all parts connected. I really like that one. The state of being in full agreement or harmony. Uh, I struggle with that a touch because I think you can be united and not be in full agreement. Um, although you have to have a lot of agreement. Uh, the state of being one in spirit. Mm, that sounds spiritual. And the state of being whole or complete, which is similar to uh, similar to one of the ones that that I mentioned previously. So, the idea of oneness, uh, wholeness, W H O L E N E S S, and of course, if you want to go to the spelling, uh, wholeness and holiness, H O L I N E S S. Um, so, what we're looking at is being united, uh, being as one. And when the church doesn't do this, uh, the results are disastrous. Uh, so that when the church is not united, uh, many times our witness uh, for the gospel and the kingdom and for Jesus uh, flounders. Um, when we aren't united, uh, I think the world looks at us and one scratches their heads and like, "What? Wait, aren't, aren't you guys supposed to be like, you know, like one? Aren't you supposed to be like all Christians in the same boat, same ship, doing the same thing?" So I think it has uh, really uh, terrible consequences whenever we as the church are not united. And, and when we're not united, there's not only our testimony on the outside, but there's also, typically, there's friction on the inside. So the reason I disagree or reject the, the state of being in full agreement is because um, even when we consider theology, and I think I've mentioned this over the last year or two when we've been doing this, um, is that <clears throat> um, 
there's this, uh, you know, there are these different levels, if you would, of theology. And, you know, some of the, the first level theological uh, doctrines are uh, make it or break it, so to speak. They are hills to die upon. These are things that we're, we're, we're we can't disagree on. Um, the substitutionary death of Christ, the inerrancy of Scripture, creation um, by God, ex nihilo, out of nothing. Uh, just several things that, that we are absolutely 100% sure what the Bible teaches. These are the primary. And then there's secondary doctrines, which we should come really close uh, on these doctrines. And then there's tertiary doctrines where uh, we're not really sure uh, where to land on some issues. We, we want to honor the Scriptures, and we're trying to be faithful, but... but um, and again, the scripture is not going to be confusing from God's perspective, but sometimes it might be confusing because we are limited and finite as far as our understanding of things. And, and so sometimes there's some disagreement on uh, the return of Christ, for example, uh, the second coming of Christ. Uh, and, and so much so that you can be saved and you can even be Baptist and agree on so many things, but you you might be someone who is a premillennialist or a postmillennialist or a mid uh, millennials or a an ah millennialist or a pre-trib, post-trib, ah-trib, uh, no-trib, mid-trib. <laughs> There's so many different options and varying opinions about the end time. So uh, those are some things that we're not going to be in full agreement on. And, and even if we are in full agreement on a doctrine, we might not necessarily be in full agreement on the application of that doctrine. But we can be united. We can be united in so many things. We can be united in love and in spirit. And the gospel, and, and and certainly those primary doctrines and many of the secondary doctrines as well. And, and we need to be, by the way, uh, we need to be united as one, be able to present a united front, if you would, a united representation of the kingdom of God. Um, we, we need to stand with one another and hold each other up in Christian unity and love. And, and that is one of the thing that one of the things that I've seen throughout the scriptures is there is Ah, there's a strong connection between unity and love, and and I think, I think it, it it goes beyond the church. I mean, if you think about your family, uh, your family, you know, you've got different people in your family: a husband and a wife, and kids, uh, and maybe others. But everyone's so unique. Um, everyone is so so different. <laughs> My wife and I joke all the time about how different we are. It's so funny because I don't know what I would do if she got up with me at four or five o'clock every morning. And she has no idea uh, what she would do if I didn't pass out at 8 or 9 or 10 o'clock every evening. And and I have those morning hours extra, and then she has those evening hours. Just in that alone, we are so different. But that doesn't in any way mitigate our unity as a couple, or our unity as parents, or our unity as, as a pastor and pastor's wife. And, and so, again, we can be totally united, but, but be very much different in so many areas. And uh, I want to just begin, uh, as I said, I'm going to be mentioning Scripture throughout uh, these next several weeks. I want to begin in a very practical passage in in Acts chapter 4. This is the beginning of the early church. Uh, If you go back and you have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you have the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're very different from the Gospel of John, as you know. And, and, And there's so many different things and cool, cool things about each uh, of the Gospels, you know, you have all four Gospels who who share the the um, the crucifixion of Christ and the Passion Week and, and the resurrection. 
But you only have two Gospels that really deal with the Christmas story, the birth of Christ. And then you have John's Gospel, who sort of deals with it in a totally different way in John 1. Um, and then you have Luke's Gospel, and then you have the book of Acts, where many people believe that even though Acts is not a Gospel, it is a history book um, or narrative, it is Luke part two, if you would. Uh, whereas in Luke, he presents the Gospel. And in, in Acts, he presents the, 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 the living out of the Gospel in the first century church uh, and, and how it moves beyond. But in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, just a very practical, it says, the, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. See that word, one? One heart and soul. You know, my wife and I aren't going to agree on food. We're going to agree on getting up times and going to bed times. But, but we have to agree on uh, the things of the heart and the things of the soul. We need to agree on, on the great doctrines of our faith. We need to agree on the, the kind of parents we're going to be for our kids. We need to agree upon uh, what type of servants we're going to be in the local church. We need to agree upon how we love each other and serve each other and sacrifice for one another. Verse 32 of chapter 4, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. So no one was saying, Mine! No, it's mine! No one was snatching things from people. There was this supernatural amount of unity and compassion in that early church. It says, And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. One thing that you do see, uh, not only is this connection between unity and love, but when you see a, a spiritual unity or church unity, you see the presence of God in a powerful way. You just do. You see great grace being upon the church. You see God doing amazing things in the lives of his people. It says in verse 34, There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as anyone had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So they're united in I think, doctrine, I mean, as much as they could have known at this time, they're united in love, they're united in purpose, they're united clearly in compassion as as they're willing to sell off their land and their homes in order to meet the needs of others. Oh my word, wow! What an amazing testimony to the grace of God and the unity of the church of God. And that, that brings us right to chapter 5. It says, But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. With his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, again, if he had sold it and said, hey, I'm keeping part, and then here's part for the church, no worries, all good. But he sold it and basically said, "Here is all. Here, here's all the proceeds, and yet he had kept part of it back, and so he's lying and he's deceiving, he's manipulating the situation, he's wanting the, the people to think that he's someone he's not, and uh, it's a feigned generosity. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain yours? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? He's saying, dude, you could have sold it or not. And if you sold it, you could have kept the money, or you could have given half or whatever, but you can't lie. You can't lie about it. He says, why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. Uh, that means he died. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. 
After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. And that is the so much that her husband had testified, which was a lie. So she was lying as well. Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. How in the world do we get from chapter 4 to chapter 5? I mean, you, you can't get any more uh, of a disparity than you get between chapter 4 and chapter 5 of the book of Acts. The end of chapter 4, the beginning of chapter 5 of the book of Acts. It's like, what are you people doing? And you know the problem, right? The problem, the problem is humans. You and me, we are the problems. Uh, we struggle. Uh, we lie, we cheat, we steal, we swear, we fuss, uh, we get mad, we get angry, we get jealous, we get sad, we get envious, we get covetous, we get greedy, and on and on the list goes. But the problem is not with God. The problem is not with God's Word. The problem is not with unity. Unity is biblical. It is healthy. It is what we should strive to attain. And and the problem is, is Ananias and Sapphira were not united with the local church. And, and as a result, they lied, they deceived, and there were disastrous consequences. I mean, it doesn't get any more disastrous than you dropping dead because you've lied to God. <clears throat> and so a very strong, I know it's like an overt, overly uh, disastrous result, but wow, what a picture of, of disunity and dysfunction. And, and though I don't, I'm not sure we're going to see something like this to, in our day, um, but we see churches that are dysfunctional and divisive and disunit and just and have disunity. These churches are. They're destructive. And people are hurt and people leave these churches. People get mad and people get frustrated. People walk away. They walk away from the Lord. They walk away from the church. They cause problems. They fuss and fight with people. Uh, they become selfish and self-righteous and prideful and and overly ambitious, and, and it's just an ugly, ugly picture. But but with humble unity, oh, there's great gain. With humble unity, there is great generosity, there is great love, there is great purpose and direction for the people of God. Well, I kind of presumed that my first day back would uh, be a little bit lengthier podcast, and so we've uh, I've definitely pushed the time limit just a touch. But let me tell you, I love you, and I appreciate you for listening. I pray this encourages you as we look to the Word of God together and look to theology and, and practically, practically, be united in your home, be united in your church. Focus, let the main thing be the main thing. Don't get distracted by peripheral stuff that doesn't matter. Don't. My dad used to say, don't make a mountain out of a molehill. <laughs> you know, there's some things that we have to fight for, but there's so many things that we fight for and against that we have no business fighting for or against. And so let us be united in the gospel and united in love for the glory of God. Again, I love you. Have a great rest of the week. Hope to see you on Sunday at church or uh, tune in to us uh, online, uh, whichever you would, Alexander Baptist Church. We'd love to have you. You take care. Goodbye. You've been listening to Doctrine and Duty, a podcast of Alexander Baptist Church located at 4316 Pamela Court, Chesapeake, Virginia. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. and find us online at abch.org.